everyone and welcome to the year was the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question hey who invited you like seriously why are you here i'm your host michael montalvo for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to find out what makes it a truly unique on this episode we examine the events that occurred october 14th some people like to go fast some people are born for it i'm not one of those people i'm boring i like roller coasters but i don't care for them and i've been in fast cars but never driven them for legal reasons i have to say that but still the concept of speed fascinates me like most kids i had ideas of being a pilot or an astronaut but They were never at the forefront of my mind. But that's not the case for everyone. Some people like to go fast. On February 13, 1923, Charles Chuck Elwood Yeager was born to parents Susie May and Albert Howe in West Virginia. During high school, he played sports, basketball, and football, and according to my sources, his best subjects were geometry and typing. I think the best I ever did at typing was around 94 words a minute during school, but that's not relevant, just a random fact. Jaeger was not an only child. He had two brothers, Roy and Hal Jr., as well as two sisters, Doris Ann and Pansy Lee. Unfortunately, Doris Ann was only two when she died. The cause of death was her brother Roy, who was playing with a shotgun. It was a terrible accident that Hal used to teach his sons the importance of gun safety. In his autobiography, Jaeger briefly mentions it only to say that they don't talk about it. And I understand that. It was a different time and a different way of growing up. Sometimes you just keep the pain locked away so it can't hurt you. You don't talk about your hurts. As a teen, Jaeger attended the Citizens Military Training Camp at Fort Benjamin Harrison. This would be during the summers of 1939 and 1940. The following year, 1941 for those keeping track. After graduating high school, he joined the Air Corps. Originally, though, he wasn't eligible for the flight training program due to stricter regulations, but the U.S.'s entry into World War II meant that pilots were needed and looser standards were set to allow for more pilots. Under the new recruiting standard, Jaeger found himself eligible, and after graduating the program on March 10, 1943, He was shipped overseas in November that same year. During the war, Jaeger was shot down over France but evaded capture and escaped to Spain until he was able to make it back to an army base. Upon his return, he requested to be sent back into combat, flying more than 60 missions and achieving the rank of captain. He returned to the States in early 1945 and on February 26, 1945, he married his first wife, Glennis. So let's talk about Chuck Yeager and the Bell X-1. Yeager was stationed at the Murak base in California. The entire X-1 team was there on temporary duty. Trying to break the sound barrier was a secret, and when his wife got out there, she didn't know much about it or why anyone would try and break it. So planes can go faster, was the simple reply. The X-1 was the plane they built to go faster. He named the plane... Glamorous Glennis. Jaeger would even tell his wife, You're my good luck charm, hun. Any plane I name after you always brings me home. 
The Air Corps, however, was not impressed and would airbrush the name out of official photos. The glamorous Glynis was an experimental plane. It was a supersonic rocket that was designed only for research. Simply put, it was dangerous. On August 29, 1947, they made its first powered flight. It was loaded with hundreds of gallons of liquid oxygen fuel, which was stored in a compartment behind the pilot at negative 296. Needless to say, it made the interior very cold. In addition to the LOX fuel, the plane also carried water alcohol to make a total of 600 gallons of fuel on board. Because of the possibility of a crash, the base was evacuated until the X-1 left the ground and was on its way. Most did not believe it would work. A B-29 carried the plane, but when the X-1 was dropped, it was in a climb nose up instead of a level position. Jaeger had to adjust before flipping the switch to ignite the rockets on board. He was slammed back into his seat and diamond-shaped shockwaves were reported. This was only Mach 0.7. Here is where Jaeger was supposed to dump the remaining fuel, but instead he rolled achieving zero Gs. This caused the engine to not get enough fuel, which could have caused it to blow, but it didn't. He then turned off the engine and instead of jettisoning the remaining fuel, he rolled again and dove towards Morocco Air Base, reaching Mach 0.8. At 300 feet off the ground, the plane was parallel to the tower and the main rocket switch was flipped, blowing a 30-foot flame. In one minute, the fuel was gone. Jaeger reached a height of 35,000 feet going Mach 0.85 and then the first flight was over. He got a speaking to for going over the agreed-upon speed limit and disobeying mission orders, and despite the excitement, agreed to never do it again. Over the next few months, they were allowed to fly at increasing speeds in order to reach the sound barrier. On October 5th, Jaeger and the X-1 experienced shockwave buffeting for the first time. During this flight, they reached a speed of Mach 0.88, with the next flight reaching Mach 0.94. Shockwave buffeting, for those who don't know, is when there is high-speed instability. I'm just now realizing that these numbers may not mean anything to you. Mach 0.7 is about 532 miles an hour, while Mach 0.88 is roughly 669 miles an hour. Nice. In order to break the sound barrier, you need to hit Mach 1 at 760 miles an hour. And while some of you may think that this doesn't sound impressive, you need to remember this was at a time when reaching the speed had never been done before, and we didn't even know if it was possible. Back to Chuck Yeager. At Mach 0.94, the X-1 lost function, with the pitch control ceasing to work. Fuel was jettisoned, and the plane was landed so the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, or NACA, could have time to analyze the problem. Many thought that they had just simply reached their cap. Ground tests were made, and after finding a solution, the decision to fly again was made. However, while the plane performed as they wanted, a layer of ice formed on the windshield, blinding Jaeger and forcing him to rely on instruments and the other pilots in the air with him in order to successfully land. To prevent this from happening again, they used the low-tech method of shampoo on the windshield. With all of this going on, you would expect some injury. And the truth is, Chuck Yeager was injured, just not by a plane. After taking his wife to dinner one night, they decided to ride some horses, and not seeing a gate, he ran into it and broke two ribs. 
They taped him up, which helped manage the pain, but a broken rib meant he would not be able to fly. After a doctor's visit in the morning and reporting the injury in the afternoon, a test was done to see if Jaeger could lock the door to the X-1. Ultimately, the decision was made to saw off a section of broomstick to assist in the process, and Jaeger was given the clear. When asked how he would get down the ladder, he responded, one rung at a time. The year was 1947, and on this day, October 14th, Chuck Yeager became the first man to break the sound barrier when he flew the glamorous Glynis at Mach 1. At 6 a.m., Glynis drove Yeager to the base. She was not happy he wanted to fly. At 8, he climbed aboard the B-29 and took off for the flight. Yeager climbed down the ladder and used the broom handle to lock the door. A call came through to ask if he was ready, and after saying yes, he was released, only the dive speed was too slow. Jaeger fought controls for 500 feet, then pointed the nose down, and the moment he picked up speed, fired all four rockets. At Mach 0.88 and 36,000 feet, two rockets were switched off. At 40,000 feet, he was climbing, and at 42,000 feet, he leveled off and turned on rocket 3, bringing him to Mach 0.96. Jaeger would later note that the faster he went, the smoother the ride got. The needle on the Mach meter began to fluctuate and then hit Mach 0.965 before going off the scale completely. Chuck Jaeger was now flying supersonic. He kept the speed for 20 seconds, then raised the nose to slow down. Radioing the B-29, he reported the Mach meter acting screwy and that it had gone off scale. The response was, Son, you is imagining things. It was then reported by NACA on the ground that a sonic boom had occurred, the first from a plane on Earth. After analysis, it was shown he had flown at Mach 1.07, over 700 miles an hour. After landing, Chuck Yeager was tired and relieved. He went to meet his wife and got in the passenger seat, telling her, I'm bees. Let's go home. But nothing else. She only found out he had broken the speed barrier after two of the crew came over to him, clapping his back and congratulating him as they were about to drive off. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Year Was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. A big thank you to Cliff, who lent me a copy of Jaeger's book to assist in the research. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.